Welcome to the Garage Gym Experiment Podcast, where we dive deep into the home gym scene. Each week, we put out Sunday surveys where you tell us your thoughts on products, builds, and all things home gym related. We're here to break down the numbers at a talk shop. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Garage Gym Experiment Podcast. We are now through three quarters of the year. So in this week's episodes, we're going to start by running through the community's level of interest on 18 different products that were released in quarter three. Then after that, we're going to play our top five clips from the past month, as we normally do at the end of each corner. So with that, Jake, give us those numbers. I have the numbers. Thank you, Adam. Uh, so as he mentioned, we have 18 different products that we um, simply asked the level of interest, high, medium level, or neutral. We've done this for every quarter uh, this year. So at the end, I'll kind of compare this, the top, the top from this time around to the top last time. And then in the show notes, you'll also just to be, you'll be able to check out all 60 something results. Um, so, but this time around, I'll start with the lowest and then just work our way to the most popular. All right, so the very lowest actually is something that kind of surprises me and something that I kind of want, but it's the ZBEX Echo Air Cycle. So basically a Concept2 biker replica at a few hundred dollar lower price. Only 3% said high interest and only another 13% even said medium interest. Second lowest was the Pelton Rower and then Third lowest was the Super Squat Bar released by Prime Fitness. Uh, even that only had 6% high interest and about 12% low interest. So all of these had at least 80 or 82% or so low or neutral votes. Next up, we just kind of called this low interest. Uh, so Pinnacle Plates recently released from Rep kind of with the mountains, has the mountain pattern on front of the crumb bumper plates. The Columbia bar from Kabuki, uh, also pretty low interest, only about 7% voted high. The Hydra racks, which are basically some really versatile racks from Bells of Steel, they include the 3x3 posts and Monster Light sizing, and they claim to have the true sizings to match with American-made companies, as opposed to using the metric system like like Rep and Titan. So that is their differentiator. Uh, not a ton of interest. I think that it's pretty much because you know it's there's not a ton new here. Uh, Bells of Steel waited quite a while to come out with these sorts of racks, and then lastly here we have the MG dash four in C. So this is Rogue's update of the their multi-grip bar to a more narrow option as uh, after some consumer and reviewer feedback. Uh, so those are those are the the lowest and lowest sections. Adam, any thoughts here? This page right here has a couple of good options on it. So there's there's a lot of lows. Uh, I didn't expect to see like the MG4NC, I don't know about you. Yeah, so the all of the voting was was relatively low for the the new products uh, this time around. And really throughout the year, all of the numbers were lower than I expected. And we'll see that when we kind of compare the top 10. 
but yeah, everything we mentioned here had all of the seven products that we just mentioned, and none of them seem like they're bad products at all, had less than 10% high interest. A lot of that may just because people have their gems and they're like, eh, I'm not gonna upgrade for that or that or that. Um, next up, again, low, low numbers, so I categorize this page as low-ish. Um, we have the stainless steel lap bar from Rogue, drop-in dip attachment from Rep, barbell anchor from Darko, community member product, and then lastly, the Bells of Steel deep dish plates. These, these had between 10 and 12% high interest votes. The mediums were a little bit higher, ranging from 25-ish to 37. Or I should say, actually, 25-ish to about a third. Next up, medium interest. So the split squat pad from Abmat in uh, partnership with the Kelly Starrett from the Ready State, just a simple attachment that you can add to the barbell to do split squats. The Athena uh, was not on the very highest of this list. That's next up. It had about 16% voting high interest, 29% voting medium, 55% voting low, and then 2% neutral, just for reference. And then the Hydra Seal Pad from Bells of Steel, it's 16% uh, high, 28% medium, and then the rest is low or neutral. But the Seal, the Hydra Seal Row Pad, it's definitely got the most like follow-up comments out of all of these. It's something that you can add to your rack or to lean over and do seal rows. And I'm sure there's some other things you can do. It's somewhat similar to the Bulldog pad from Sornex. Um, and then, but with that, a lot of people mentioned that they definitely want this, but with one inch holes. So a lot of people will be waiting for that. And then lastly, the highest interest products for this quarter in terms of new releases. Number four is the Frey Savage Functional Trainer Power Rack. So this one had about 16% high, 28% medium interest, um, narrowly beating out the Athena, but it did beat out the Athena you know, within this poll. So that's pretty interesting. Made in USA SSB had, you know, only 17% high interest and 32% medium, um, but it it came in at number three. It didn't it didn't score quite as high as the Rep SSB from quarter two, but it wasn't too far behind. Number two for this time around was the selectorized slash slash low row attachment from Rep, and then number one was the Rep Open Trap Bar. I don't think that one is too big of a surprise. Number one or two probably aren't surprises. But the rep trap bar had 22% high interest, 37% medium, 44% low, and then 1% neutral. So it's not like everyone's going to is saying, oh, I definitely want to go out and get this. Um, but it was the number one option or the number one item that was voted on in Q3. So went through 18 products. Adam, anything else to add? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the uh, the Athena out in the wild. I know we're just now getting to see the, the Aries out and uh, 
in some gyms. It's looked awesome. I think it's gotten a lot of really great feedback from the people who spent the money on it. And then I think the Athena is going to be a cool one to, to see out there. looks like it has pretty small weight stacks. So definitely just for like some accessories and stuff like that. But I, I want to see it in some gyms being used. I'm excited. Yeah, I think that was interesting. I honestly think the number one thing that outside of the top two from from rep, those two are definitely two at the top of my like want list. I think that high, that the Hydra Seal row pad definitely has some potential. I'm looking forward to that being in a one inch option. I think it's crazy how much more interest, how little interest the super squat bar from Prime Fitness, that like overbuilt safety squat bar is nuts. Uh, really cooling, cool looking, took years to finally create, had so much less interest than just the Titan SSB. Uh, it, I thought that was interesting. Definitely interesting, especially from like the company it's coming from. You know, it's probably done really well if it's coming from Prime. The picture though, to me, looks super like, not gimmicky is not the word, but it, it, it doesn't look, it doesn't look cool. I bet you it's going to be like a Mars bar yet. It's going to be like, yeah, but you have to feel it. You know, to really understand right. how awesome it is because the, the picture just doesn't do it. Even like, you know, they've um, shown like uh, some people actually having it on their back. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't look that appealing to me, but I'm sure yeah. if I were to throw it on and, and do some squats, like it'd be a game yeah. changer. Yeah. And it's also probably something that not everybody has heard of. So if you see that for the first time in one of these surveys, you're probably not going to like say high interest it looks like it's um, from a cheap company and then like i don't right i think of like how many people voting low on that actually knew that came from prime you know right i don't think i <clears throat> specified prime and what i do do to try and like even that out like that aspect of it out is i try and just grab the one of the first few photos on the product page i don't go like digging for the best photos it's like whatever photo is is right there i grab it because it's kind of like the the most the most fair way to do it and some companies just have better product pages so yeah so yeah that definitely has something to do with it and then lastly just want to want to showcase the top 10 this year oh i was i was supposed to add some pictures but but that's okay so we mentioned the number one uh product this time around was the open trap bar that comes in at number six so far this year. So the easy number one on this list was probably the most practical item that was released all year. And it was the Rep AB4100, just a solid adjustable bench, um, better than a basic bench, but not quite as premium and it's priced in the middle. So just a really good option for a lot of people. 33% voted high interest, 43 medium. Uh, next up was maybe my favorite product released this year, the lap pull-down slash low row from Bells of Steel, at least that I've gotten to, got my hands on, 26% and then 33% voted medium, 26% high, I should say. The Rogue RM43 Monster Rack, you know, that's just a cool picture, so I think people voted high. Yeah. Uh, Rep Cambered Swiss Bar. Rep SSB and then the trap bar. So trap bar came in third within this type of voting, even though it was number one, I think it was last week where we asked about which 
bar from rep you'd go with. Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, all right. And then after the trap bar in seventh place was the Aries cable attachment. So that was the number one rack attachment so far this year. And it's followed by the selectorized lat slash low row uh, from rep as well. Just, so just behind. But what you don't see on this top 10 list was the Aries. So these two were, were the top ones from rep. And then the last few were are a couple of cable towers from Bells of Steel. So this top 10 list is heavily dominated by rep and Bells of Steel, which I think we would have, like going into this year, I think definitely made sense for it to be rep. I would have definitely guessed more than one would be from Rogue. And I, I don't think I would have guessed Bells of Steel would be on this list. Um, at least this mount. So yeah, I, I'm going to guess and say I took the words out of your mouth, but yeah, props to Bells of Steel for uh, kind of sh- shocking us with some of those products. Coming out with some really cool stuff. I think they're really like getting some fans as well. People who kind of like wrote them off as like things they, they companies they might not add to their space, but then they start coming out with all this stuff like, I, I'm, I need a Bells piece. So yeah, definitely shout out to Bells. They're doing awesome. Yeah, I think that's going to do it. All right, well, that's going to do it with the survey results. So we're going to move on to our first quarter three highlight, which is with Brian Hennessy talking about the creation of the Squat Max MD. I'm squatting. When I, when I could do free weight squats, that was a different performance animal than, you know, doing, having, doing the leg press. So I'm like, I'm not going to make this mistake again. There was, I think Louie had the pulley system. There wasn't any other bell squats out there. I was probably, I've been on the market like 10 or 11 years, probably saying almost the same time as like a pit shark, but I just haven't had the marketing. So I'm like, I'm going to create this belt squat. I know what it has to be. It has to be a natural movement. I have to be able to get in my natural groove. So I came up, you know, again, I'm not a fabricator. Here I go again, biting off more than I can chew. But I, I was able to get local fabricators to create this design that I knew would, in my opinion, was would give me the benefits of a free weight squat, but also be perfect on my low back and knee joints because there would be no artificial shear. It would be, a, you know, a vertical line of drive. So I created this device. And first thing I did, obviously, I, I'm fortunate that I patented it. I, I put a patent in, but I wanted to make sure it worked just like a barbell squat because... I'm a big guy on multi. If you're going to use a multi-joint movement, that's why you squat, right? You want to use a compound movement. So one of the first, in the first year of creating this thing, I sent letters to a lot of colleges that did research, that did uh, exercise science research. And I said, please, are you willing to do a, an independent study? I want to make sure that this behaves like a barbell back squat. It worked the glutes, it worked the quad, it worked all that musculature. Uh, I also sent a machine to Stu McGill, the famous uh, biomechanics guy up in Canada. And again, I don't have a huge, I I have some money because I did well enough in my day job, but I can't just be throwing money around. So I sent one up to Stu McGill because biomechanics having injured my spinal cord, I wanted to get his confirmation. If you're going to use a belt squat biomechanically, this is the only one that makes sense. So long story short, Within that first two or three years of opening up a gym, I had a patented bell squat and Widener University School of Physical Therapy was kind enough to actually do a a real pristine research study comparing it to a back squat. And 
between you and I, if the study, it was just an EMG study, but it was critical for me. If that didn't behave, like if it didn't work the glute max and the glute med, like a back squat, you and I wouldn't be here discussing squat max. I would have scrapped it because I want my daughter to maximize her athleticism. I want her to be able to do a maximum squat where where she's going to prove as an athlete and maybe it'll help prevent ACL tears. Like training, just like we have talked, is personal with me. So squat max wasn't developed. Let me come up with this device that I'm going to pedal to try to get rich off of. It was how can I maximize what I'm chasing for my athletes? I'm kind of living vicariously now through my own athletes that I want them to be able to, if their dreams to play Division One field hockey, then I'm, I'm going to give them everything we have. So that's that's the story behind Squat Max. Where, where Squat Max has failed, Squat Max has been on market 10, 11 years. I had no frigging clue about marketing. If, if I could do it all over again, it would probably be in a different place. I mean, let, let me tell you right now, it's been, you know, Eddie Cohn, Vanilla Gorilla, Brian Carroll, Donnie Thompson, Optimus Prime, the, the best that ever had the best that ever power lifted have endorsed squat maxes, the, their bell squat of choice. So that, that should say enough, but I, I'm not rogue. I'm not, you know, Sorenex. I don't have marketing people. Amazingly, I'm selling, I, I, I probably sold 500 squat max units last year. Uh, this is a one man operation who's packing, who's making these in Pennsylvania, shipping them himself, you know, have a, have a gym as my day job. But the cool thing that the most recent study, and then I'll, I'll stop beating it, is I went, I had Widener come back two years ago and I said, look, people are giving free passes to the lever arm belt squat to the cable. Let's, let's have the three go head to head squat, Mac. There's been other studies now, Matt Wenning and the Pit Shark. Both tried to duplicate the squat max study and they failed miserably. It was shown that the lever arm doesn't work the glute max or glute mead. So mm. th th there's not there's not enough activity. So it's more of a leg press than it is than it is a squat. But anyway, this study two years ago showed the squat max activity wise, you know, VMO, glute mead. It, it, if, you, if you're looking for the superior belt squat, there's no there's no doubt which one it is, it's squat max just because, and people will say, oh, EMG doesn't matter. Well, they're missing the point. The EMG against the barbell squat, that's the most important one that it worked just like the, the barbell squat. So you can say it doesn't matter to have more activity in the VMO or the glute med. Well, if you have no activity, very low activity, you can't have, have a change. You can't have a physiological ad adaptation you have to have a certain amount of all toxicologists. You got to have enough blood level for the drug to work. So that's where Squamax is. And, um, and we can talk about, I see, I saw on your resume that you did some marketing. I, I needed some of your, some of your background six, seven years ago. I thought the science people would come find it. They, that's not how it works. You could have the best, exercise device in the world it doesn't matter if no one knows about it yeah can you do me a favor and and this might help too um but can you explain to me why the squat max squat max md is better than all of the alternatives like i'm a fifth grader well i guess that if we start with the premise of what is a belt squat designed to do a belt squat is designed to replace a squat 
a barbell back squat or, or any free weight squat. That that's why a belt squat was created, right? Okay. But obviously, the rate limiting factor, a, a squat's a dynamic movement. But the, the rate limiting factor for a lot of athletes, like let's use my daughter as an example. In ninth, tenth grade, yeah, we can push the squats as back, the traditional barbell back squat as heavy as we can. But at a certain point, her spine, her she's she's a she's a soccer player. I may not even want to add additional weight, additional hypertrophy. I want the benefit of the legs, getting the leg as strong as possible. So that's where, where the beauty of squat max is. It's giving me the benefits of a free weight squat movement. You know, it's working the stabilizers. It's working that multi-joint movement, coordinating the glute, the quad. The body's working in unison, just like you have to do in sports. Like if you're picking up a, a linebacker, your hips and quads, everything has to work in, in unison. So the other point of a belt squat was everyone created belt squats because it's better on the spine. But in actuality, now that I've been at this 10 years, and I don't want to bad mouth other companies, other, but there's hundreds of reports of people hurting their back every year on, on, pit, on lever arm belt squats. One of the first ones five or six years ago, J.J. Watts, blew his back out, re-injured his back doing heavy lever arm belt squats. So everyone thought belt squats are foolproof. They can't hurt your back. But I know as a person with back injuries that anytime you have shear, like compression didn't hurt me as much as shear. That's why I never deadlift. If that load isn't perfectly vertical from top to bottom, that belt's going to, that belt sits on your low back and your hips. So even if there's a little bit of pull forward and you're strong enough to use heavy weight, you're now going to have shear and that flexion of the spine. So that so that's why, you know, squat max, because Stu McGill, who I've never paid a dime to, he's the world-renowned squat university, Aaron. These are all guys that are talking about the biomechanics of squat max. It pulls straight down on the hips versus having that, that shear moment you know, and that's your moment. You know, some guys that are five, six, five, seven, they may get away with a lever arm belt squat, but people with, you know, we're all different anatomies. And that's what's great about squat max because it's not fixed. And that's, that's what my patent is based on. That, that lets you get into your natural groove, whether you're more hingy or you're, you're more of a squatty squat. That's going to always maintain a vertical load because it's not anchored to a fixed point. And what the research has shown. Like, it's one thing for me to say, oh, this is better. But mm -hmm. again, that research wasn't done for a marketing perspective initially. It was to know that my daughter's going to get glute medius so that, you know, we have less chance of an ACL tear. You know, that we're not, you trade off a machine just like I had to, when I was always hurting my back, I'd have to get away from back squats. And I gave up a lot. When I had to just do leg presses, I had to give, I was giving up that multi-joint coordination. When I was healthy enough that I could back squat, I told you my vertical got up to 36, 37 inches. It was 32 inches. It was 31 some years when I was leg pressing. And I have a lot of data from my gym at this point. Uh, we've had so much success stories where athletes have improved speed, vertical jumps. So it's just a, I guess I build volumes of information, right? I could have just said, hey, Ed Cohn loves it. But I wanted to get the science perspective I wanted to get the expert biomechanics perspective. And then I loved it. 
some of the top powerlifters see what I see. If you were to create a, a perfect device, squat max is it. So that's, I'm, I'm not sure if I, I gave you a fifth grade version of it, but that's, that's the best I could do on the fly. No, I, I think you did. So basically, just so we're crystal clear, what you're saying is, and what the studies are saying, is that the, so first of all, the belt, the belt squat is supposed to replicate a back squat without uh, adding as much tension as possible to your spine. And it's supposed to feel Spine, similar. And, and knees. And knees. Yeah. Jo okay. joint I would say joint, joint, joint preservation. Okay. And the squat max MD, because of its placement, the weight placement, and your ability to just, to not lean forward, it's better than what else is on, on the market. Yeah. One of my quotes I probably overuse is squat max allows, the weight conforms to you. Whereas if you're using a machine that's fixed, at some point you have to conform to the machine. So think if you remember my story about if you remember my story about the Smith machine, I was all excited because it was going to be safe. I thought it'd be safer on my back. You know, I was just a college college kid, a biology major. I didn't have any thought. No, that Smith machine forced me in a fixed pattern. So the, you know, that load, depending how I wanted to squat, you know, I wasn't probably keeping that load directly in the middle of my feet unless I conformed to the machine based on my squatting form. But yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's always been the case for me. Like we did a lot of hammer strength in the NFL, even from a, a machine that doesn't work your stabilizers. If th that, that's what the research, I knew it would be the case because squat max, you have to control the load left to right. That's so important from a performance perspective. If, if you're, you know, if your stabilizers aren't part of the, part of the equation, you're not maximizing performance. It's funny, I, I'm getting a text here from old Major League Baseball athlete Raul Banez. It, it's weird that he's, he's texting me right now. He hit 29 home runs at age 41 with the Seattle Mariners, and he credited Squat Max. He, he called Squat Max the fountain of youth because it allowed him to do maximum effort free weight squats. So he got the benefit, the performance benefit of the squat, but he felt that it decompressed his spine because, remember, that's the other thing. Because it's not fixed, you're not only preserving the joint, that, that load is pulling straight down in your hips. So he felt he got decompression of his spine, and he also felt that it was great for his, his mobility of his hip flexors because it's a free weight squat pulling straight down. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty ironic. So him call, he called it the fountain of youth. So that, that's how I see it. If, if I'm going to use a device, that, that's why I created this, I want to make sure I'm maximizing performance. Is that what every garage gym owner wants to do? Probably not, but if you can maintain your leg strength, uh, now that I'm pushing 50, uh, you know, I'm pushing 55, I can jump up and grab a rim. I made a post just half, a, half of a joke last week. Uh, I was kind of ragging on the liver king a little bit. I had a, I had a little liver growing, a little body, little liver character with real little legs. And I said, the real fountain of youth, if you're a middle-aged man, is being able to maintain leg strength and size because all, all the the hormonal response and as a clinical scientist i know the squat max is behaving much closer to a barbell squat i know from a biomechanical perspective it's the best way i can go to preserve someone's spine and knees because why would you want to add shear you may as well just do a leg press why are bell squats so hot and heavy in the last three or four years because people think 
man, I can do max effort squats because it's a multi-joint. But the truth of the story is they're doing a quad pump and getting shear on their back. And that's okay, but, you know, this isn't a regulated industry. So I could, I see every day, I just saw some breathe belt. They said it activates your glute better. That Where's the research? I, so again, in God, I trust everybody else bring data is, is kind of where, where my approach is. But, but I'm here in my story. I'm a, I'm not your typical gym manufacturer. I'm a guy that's creating devices that I think can actually improve athletic strength. I guess, I guess that's a good way to, and that that's. This Q3 podcast highlight comes from both roundtables number seven and number eight. These groups were simply asked whether they trust Titan Fitness or not. Four ended up voting one way, while three voted the other. All right, here are the clips that will simply play back to back. No, let's let's, let's move on. So, we'll give it time. True or false? I trust Titan Fitness. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Get out of here! I'm hold on. I gotta press the. I'm gonna hit the leave button. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Well, so it's a very open question. I trust Titan Fitness. Yeah. Now, I trust that Titan Fitness is going to continue doing what they've always been doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for those listening, it was two to one voting true. Luck was the only one who voted false. Yeah, I would say that my, my true is with a caveat. And I would say that I trust Titan more on version twos or greater. I wouldn't necessarily trust Titan on version one of things. But I will say that I feel based on my experience with Titan and some of the feedback in the market that they have come a long way since they were where they were just a couple of years ago um, when their safety straps were failing and literally you wouldn't want to trust it because they're, you might get decapitated. I don't necessarily think that that's the case these days. So I'm not outfitting my gym with a lot of Titan stuff, but I think they've come a long way. I trust them on version two or greater see i don't trust them i agree they've come a long way though i've seen some of their early early wrecks there some of them were decent you know if they got to your house in the correct amount of pieces but now i look at their catalog and you have things like the titan pivoting tricep bar which we all know is my favorite and that's intense sarcasm if nobody's seen that if you haven't seen that review but even the titan series safety squat bar to come out and make this big deal um kind of picking on rep a little bit and come out and say it's American made steel and they're kind of beating around the bush that it's not a fully American product, but they're not saying that they're making it sound like it is. And that's the way they're selling it. And to me, that's dishonest. And it's clearly that pad is not American. Sure. The, the, the bar comes from solid bar fitness or whatever, but when you go that hard against another company and you're, and you're spitting all that stuff and then we get it in and like, okay, this is just a crappier version too. I don't know. It, it, that's just a recent example. I'm sure if I took time, I could come up with some others. I do think they make a lot of really good stuff. I just don't, I don't, I don't really trust them. I really think they make a lot of good basic stuff. And uh, I used to be a habitual rep hater and uh, getting comments on videos where I kind of hate a little bit on uh, Titan has really kind of opened me up to thinking like, okay, so a lot of these comments are the rack, the cups and the safeties V2 and above. I agree with both of you guys on that. Uh, they're fine. They're good to go. And as far as building out a basic gym, they're good to go. It's the other stuff on top of it. So like when they try to make, you know, the safety squat bar, and then I, I do agree that it's 
for someone like me, because my gym is 100% made in US, and I'm not going to say 100%, but like 95% made in USA, um, for them to come out and try to trick, or that's what it seems like. I agree with you. It's like they're trying to yeah. trick you into purchasing the safety squat bar because it's almost made in USA. Uh, it does seem a little bit deceptive, but as far as like, do I trust the basic bare bones equipment? Like, absolutely. At this point, uh, stepping into a Titan rack, um, when I was just on the road in Tampa, one of the gyms I went to, I was squatting off of a Titan rack and I didn't think twice about it other than, you know, judging it a little bit, but I didn't really think twice about it from a safety perspective or from a function perspective, because a rack is a rack. It might not be my preference, but it still functions just fine. Yeah, I agree with the, the function standpoint. I think they make a lot of great budget equipment. And I think they're very important for the space because they keep everybody else honest. I think their stuff works good. I just don't trust the, the words coming out of their mouth uh, sometimes. But I do recommend a lot of their stuff. So. I am still waiting to see this. So Coop last year or year before or something like that said that Titan's about to like hit the market with all this brand new stuff. And I feel like I'm still waiting on that wave of whatever that was supposed to be. So if that happened, I guess the wave didn't hit that hard, but I wasn't sure I what you guys thought. Yeah, I was going to say, is like, has I anything have, actually occurred? Not, I don't know, Adam. Have you, I haven't noticed all them doing, I mean, they, they dropped some stuff, but nothing crazy yeah. innovative. I don't, I don't see a big wave push. like Yeah, not, nothing too innovative. And usually the, the things that are portrayed as innovative in the market are really just clones of obscure pieces that people don't necessarily have access to or have seen in the past. Although their, their yeah. floor GHD is pretty, pretty interesting. I actually want to try that. It was a little bit more expensive than I've than I was expecting from, from Titan, quite honestly. I think it's like six or $700. Yeah, I want to say yeah, 600 or something. It's pretty good for like space efficiency and I'd be curious to see how it felt relative to an actual GHD. But I think, I think we're all sort of saying the same things. I, I sort of interpreted the question more in terms of like the physical product. Um, but I definitely see your point too, Gluck. And I would, I would absolutely agree with you uh, in terms of some of that marketing think, and, et cetera. I think Jake was just trying to bait me to make <laughs> things exciting. That's exactly what I was trying to do. I think <laughs> a lot of us, good stuff. that was, yeah. yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Number three, I trust Titan Fitness. Yeah, he's false on this one. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Wow. It's kind of a tie. One is like a hardcore. Fuck Titan Fitness. Um, but two to two. Let's go two to two. All right. Eccles, you are uh you're filled, you're loaded with Titan Fitness. Yeah. Why should someone every... yeah, why should someone trust Titan? Well, so when I bought all my stuff, so I kind of tempered my expectations right away. I hardly have anything that came from brand new. From Titan, I bought most of my stuff off Scratch and Dent, so I already knew it was oh, going to be scratched okay. up. But, I mean, usually Scratch and Dent, you save 20%, and I'm going to scratch it, dent it anyways, so I might as well just save the money because then I can buy more equipment. So pretty much everything I have in here is from Titan, so <laughs> they've made a lot of money off of me. What What's a typical Scratch and Dent product look like? You know, dings on the... Like a 
landmine attachments, dings on the sleeves, some chipping of the powder coat, maybe not the best weld. And we were talking the other day about the crappy stickers and <laughs> yeah. the uh, naming. <laughs> so it's it's usually not stuff that's you know too terrible. I'm gonna scratch it up anyways, so might as well save some money. Right. Yeah, I can see that. I'll jump in on this one. Um, I have a road rack now, but um, I I would bought the Titan T2 rack in November of 2014 when it was like Titan and New York Barbell were really kind of the two main options for two by two flat foot racks back then. And um, I got tightened before most people got tightened because one of the legs that came, the weld, the bracket where it bolted to the back rear cross member wasn't straight. And so it took like seven to 10 days for them to get a new one shipped out. Um, but I lifted on that rack from 2014 to 2020, so six yeah. years. Um, I'm not a big guy, but I mean, I hit a lifetime PR of 350, twice my body weight on back squat in that rack. Um, I never felt worried about it. Um, with that said, I love my road rack, but if things hadn't worked out the way they had and I was still squatting and, and benching in that, I wouldn't be worried about it at all. I take this one as, do I trust Tightness Fitness to send me a really good product, not fucked up out of the box? No, I really don't. <laughs> do I trust Titan Fitness products to, 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 to not break on me? Yeah, probably. I have also have the Titan T2. I actually, it, it's, I don't, it doesn't get a lot of use. It's, it's my third rack that just kind of, whenever we need those. It's the only rack that I can use that uh, you can squat facing out. Everything else faces the wall. So, like, the, the vanity enemy has to use it every now and then to see my quads when I squat. So... Uh, it's the only reason I still have it. Um, but I, I actually bought that. Uh, my buddy bought that brand new. It came with one of the cross member uh, crimps a little bit. So he got a, I think he got a full refund and they didn't take it back. So he sold it to me for like a hundred bucks. So I've had that. That was actually my first, one of my first pieces I got in 14, 15, something like that. Same time frame. Uh, it's also seen at least a 400 pound squat from me and five, 600 pound squats from other people. But, you know, it's be shit. It's, you know, very light duty. The J cups suck. I don't love it. Uh, you know, uh, I just picked up a Titan trap bar for essentially free after I sold the other piece I bought with it. Uh, I've used it a couple. I, well, I've only had to use it once though, but it seems okay. But the sticker was literally as crooked as it could be. It was like a 45 degree angle. Like I don't understand how that's possible to put a sticker on that crooked. So if you trust <laughs> to put a sticker on properly, no. Are you gonna Are you gonna die under their product? Was it Was it Titan or Rep that had the safety straps? Failed? It was Titan. It was Titan. Yeah, yeah. So and I so, and I had those safety straps. <laughs> oh man. So for, for that, maybe as an outlier, but for the most part, like I know a lot of people that can you know lift a lot of heavy weights and Titan equipment, but you know, unless you're on a budget, I would avoid it. I'll explain my answer a little bit, and I I, I will say that I could have gone either way with this. Uh, it might have been one of those if it was a multiple choice or something. I might have said I need need more information um for me do i trust titan fitness as a consumer sure i trust that titan fitness is going to be for me like the gateway to whatever the good version of that product is like whatever it is i'm going to get it it's going to be a little bit wonky and it's going to be just enough to let me know that i will spend the money on the kabuki version or the rogue version or whatever it is um and i will be happy with whatever whatever i get and and my Cost my out-of-pocket losses and stuff are going to be minimized because Titan is that inexpensive, right? I do trust that, like, if I have a problem with the product, whenever I receive it, customer service is going to be good. They're going to give me 
if it's like a scratch and dent thing and it was supposed to be first quality, they'll give me 10% back if I want, or they'll give me a complete full refund. They'll replace it. They'll give me options for those kind of things, right? I know, and I can trust that. I've had enough experience with that stuff to know that that is what to expect from Titan. When it comes to business practices or things like that, I have a little bit of a unique situation with Titan that emotionally, I'm just not ready to get there and say like, yeah, I trust them. You know, I had a, a, a product that I had out of my ass, I kind of pulled out of my ass and came up with, I was posting pictures of it, videos and stuff and showing off to all my buddies. They came to me, said that they would like to, they would like for me to send them the product. They would like to check it out. They, I spoke with them on the phone. We had kind of like this gentleman's agreement type thing um, about, you know, cause I even, I asked them like straight up, like, All right, please don't fuck me. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't know any other way to say this, but you know, you guys have a little bit of a reputation and the guy that I spoke with, I'm not going to mention his name or anything, but you know, we, 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 um, <laughs> we discussed it to where I felt comfortable enough where he, he was like, helping me understand the process really well. He was, you know, this is, this is how we do it. These are the things that we do. Um, it's okay. You don't necessarily need to get this. What, what I would recommend is you send the product in. I'll send you another, I'll send you our version of it. You can have that for free. Um, we'll take yours. We'll evaluate it. And then if we can make it, then I think you should move forward with getting, um, you know, your patent and this and that and whatever. And I kind of went against my better judgment, but he did he did say, and I was, I also at the time thought that I was going to be spending like thousands of dollars on a patent or something, right? I didn't, I didn't know enough. And this is a lot of my fault, but the question is whether or not I trust them. <laughs> and so anyway, I go through this process and for months and months and months, I'm getting emails and we're going back and forth and I'm getting stuff like, and I've got the emails like, yo, we really like this product. We, we believe that we can sell it for this. We believe that we'll be able to ship it for that. We would like to name it the McKee ghd we would like to do this what? you know it, yeah and so i'm like i'm i'm like this is pretty fucking sweet right and i've shared it with like two people along the way even though i wasn't supposed to but like but i'm the whole time i'm like this is going to be this you know it's not anything that i ever anticipated like i, I didn't I, i'm not an inventor you know what i mean i'm not somebody that comes out and like with products or anything like that. I'm just a dude and it's, I'm just a man who parks in gym. You know, I'm just a dude that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That just, I like, I like building stuff or whatever, you know? And so anyway, it was kind of a cool thing. And I even thought like, man, if I never see a dime on this, it's still pretty cool. You know what I mean? Um, and so I got, I, I sent, he, I sent him an email once I received it back and, and we talked about um, how the pricing or how the, the pay structure works. Um, I told him that I would like to continue the conversation and he came back and said, well, as soon as you get the patent, um, let me know. So I got the patent. I sent him an email. He didn't respond. I thought that was a little, I didn't want to be like overly like eager beaver. So I waited a few days, sent another email and then their floor GHD came out, which looked surprising. I mean, I know it looks more like someone else's floor, H floor GHD, but what stood out to me was that the thing they were most excited about with mine was the footprint when it's in storage and how it's stored upright, right? Which is really fucking similar to the thing that they put out. So they released that thing. And then almost like within a few hours, I get a response back to my request saying, oh, sorry, we're, we're, I'll give you the final answer, but because of our release of our floor GHD, we're afraid we may have too many GHDs. We're still evaluating it, but we'll let you know. And I'm like, well, 
this feels really fucking shady, you know, and I could be, you know, again, all the evidence suggests that maybe I shouldn't have trusted Titan. Um, and I'm still in this kind of emotional state with it where, um, when you ask me if I trust them, I'm like, fuck Titan fitness. You know what I mean? Like I've got a couple of products from them and it really has, and I, and I'll continue to buy whatever I have to, I suppose, you know what I mean? But, um, I don't, as in that light, I, I don't trust them. So, so fuck Titan fitness. It's <laughs> understandable, man. That's understandable. Yeah, it's cool. Jason, would you have been upset if they still didn't give you any credit, but they called it the, uh, the McTitan GHD? <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like, I feel like that is not too far away from some other, uh, experiences that I've had, maybe not with something as big as, as Titan, but, uh, I have, you know, you got, I, I have to, with social media in general, especially in this space, um, I have to like step back and take a breath and kind of remind myself of why I'm here and what I'm doing. I mean, like for me, a lot of this is like, it's about what I miss from the commercial gym is that sense of like community or camaraderie, even though some of the people I never spoke to, and I'll be honest, there were some, like there was one guy in my mind, I never said it to his face, but I remember like, I'd see him and I'd be like, oh, there's old pillow tits. You know what I mean? Like, always here. It's like, you see the same people. And like, <laughs> sorry. Um, but I do miss that, like humor, human interaction and some sense of community, even in the gym with people that I never spoke with. And that's kind of what I get from, from social media and Instagram and, and, and garage gym community and that stuff. Even though, regardless of whether or not everybody thinks I'm an asshole or not, that's something that I, that I do get from it. And I have to remind myself of that. Um, whenever I see those kind of things and I start feeling this kind of bitter, bitter resentment, like I deserve credit for that thing or this or that or whatever. So like the, the McTitan GHD thing, um, on one hand, it would probably equally have pissed me off, but at the same time, you know, what are you going to do? I, I guess I could, I just, I don't know what it is about, about credit on, um, Instagram, social media stuff, but it, uh, it will. It will eat away at you sometimes. I get your cloud up. Yeah. 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 yeah that's kind of like the the story a couple months ago when uh, Gordon Briley was on here and he was talking about Titans uh, starting to sell their stealth leg press. <laughs> so he had to tell him that uh, dad was a patent attorney. So they started paying him. Right. Yeah, yeah, so he, he actually had helped me a little bit in answering some of my questions. I didn't give him the specific details about what I was working on, but I sort of getting this feeling that I was getting screwed. Um, and so I, I, he, he helped me. He, he kind of calmed me down a little bit when he was like, well, you know, this is my experience. You know, it takes a little bit longer because of this or it's that, whatever. I was like, oh, okay. Because I just, you know, it felt that, but yeah, I did reach out to him and it was a similar, I, I, I heard that after I had gone through this stuff and, um, and I was like, I can relate to that actually. <laughs> well, Jason, let me ask you this. First of all, amazing story. Um, that does suck, but that is an incredible story. Truly. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anybody ever believe it, I could just make those up. <laughs> let me ask you, so you, I mean, you, that, yeah, that was crazy. So you say you have the patent um right well it... so what i what i have is a provisional patent which right. just basically so uh kyle kind of touched on this in a different podcast but with a provisional basically you submit your idea 
um, you pay a few bucks and that gives you, so it, it's for like, it's when you can put like patent pending on something, right? Okay. And so the idea behind it is that you can put this on there, you get your date of when you invented it or whatever, and then um, you can, it gives you the opportunity to kind of test the market, test the, the feasibility of the product and sell it and see if there's enough return on it to go through with the full patent process. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of thing. So I have, but it has a 12 month uh, expiration date, right? So by the time I, so I didn't want to get the patent or the provisional and then send my thing and then it'd be like five, them just sit on my product for five or six months. And then when my, and then I only have a couple of months to, to go through the rest of the patent to determine whether or not the, the return is enough on it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when I had first talked to Titan, they, had, they were like, most of our stuff is not patented. And so my thought process was, you know, if anybody's going to fucking steal it and like make, make a copy of it, it's going to be Titan. So I might as well just sell it to Titan, have them make it. No one's going to undersell them and nobody's going to, you know what I mean? Like nobody that's yeah. going to remake it is going to, I mean, my biggest concern, honestly, was that they weren't going to make it as well as I did. Like it was just going to be this Titan version, like shitty padding or sh you know what I mean? Like, or like the, the gateway, you know what I mean? It's right. But yeah. um, that was my bigger concern. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, man, it, it, it'll be cool enough. It is a, it's a, it's something that I think garage gymmers would really be able to benefit from. Um, so well, I thought it would be something cool. to. Well, that, that's what I was going with. I wouldn't quite give up on it. I think that's your model is, is definitely a better option for most than what Titan ended up bringing to the market. So, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't give up on it quite yet. So. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's cool. And we can, we can run a poll too. We, we can kind of put Titans next to what you've got as well to see what people would uh would like if you have any interest in that that might be some cool, be cool. data yeah. actually yeah yeah all right um well yeah that was a story we did not expect sorry that was, <laughs> that, that, was that was your two hour story there like, yeah. uh, sorry guys no, that was, yeah, yeah i think that we might be done good. now <laughs> i think you said it's gonna surprise anyone that knows anything about titan though yeah no well, no no and everybody's gonna be like what a dumbass you know what i mean like in, in, in hindsight sure but i'm i mean again bro, i was kind of in don't this, feel in, bad man like i was kind the... of in this mindset where i was like i don't really care i didn't do this to make money you know what i mean like i really yeah, don't yeah. care at the end of the day and then after a few months of you know you start getting this hey, this could be really cool but whenever you just i don't know man yeah it was honestly i would have i would have done the same thing in that situation and especially if they're coming across as like hey man we want to do this legit like we're you know you didn't tell this part of the story i don't mean to rat you out but you posted yeah, no, it you posted it before you applied for a patent so they very oh, yeah. well could have seen your yeah, post anybody could have and I applied mean, I, for their own patent and not gotten yeah. in contact with you so them getting in yeah. contact with you gave them legitimacy it, so it, you're like exactly. yeah maybe maybe i can maybe I can trust them. And, you know, if they're communicating with you, like you can trust them, then like right. that gives you that sense of security. So like, and, I don't, don't fault yourself. I totally would have done I, the same thing. And I, and I honestly, I really don't think that anybody ever, I don't think that any of them that I have spoken with or anything ever set out to do that. I don't think they were ever trying to be deceptive. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that mm -hmm. once they got it in, once they did all the stuff, they probably thought, you know, we could just, update hours you know i mean they're the, the, right. the 4 ghd thing is something they had a long time ago and they were doing an update on it anyway and i wouldn't be surprised if they were just like we could just 
integrate these ideas into our existing product and save a whole bunch of money. You know what right. I mean? Like that makes yeah. sense to me. All that stuff makes sense. It was just, it just felt, you know, I don't know, disappointing, I guess. Yeah, that is disappointing. And uh, like what I, I honestly don't have too much communication with Titan at all, but like one message that I've heard loud and clear from them is that they claim to not be the old Titan. Like it's not the, it's not the Titan that just used to get, you know, send crappy material. They've been improving everyone like over, like they have a whole new team, a whole new, you know, a whole new like process, et cetera. Yeah. This is the type of stuff they need to do if they really want to like win home gym owners over rather than just like they want to win the community over rather than right. just those who want the cheapest product. So right. yeah, right. This, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't. So hopefully that's not over, but all right. We ready to move on. Yeah. All right. Cool. Next up, let's hear the birth of the Mars bar via the one and only Zach Mars. So, I mean, it's funny, most of what I've done has been just out of necessity and for the most part, not planned out at all. So yeah, I never intended to build this bar. I never had any plans. And honestly, if my body was 100%, I never would have done it. Right. It's purely accidental. Okay. So yeah, I would love to hear the story. It sounds like it was created just a few years after you started a gym. Um, right. so, and you mentioned some injuries. So when did you originally come up with the idea for the Mars bar and, and why? Basically everything that I had tried had been exhausted. I never liked to squat or uh, deadlift until I started doing them and I realized all of the potential. And what happened was uh, low bar, straight bar squat became one of my favorites, my, basically my staple. And uh, I've never been strong in the bench press. So, I mean, I kind of, that was my squats and, and my back were the two things I focused on. What happened was I was getting uh, stronger and stronger and I thought this is fantastic. You know, uh, every day is just better and better. And being young, well, I was in my early to mid thirties, you know, I hadn't suffered at all. You know, I was just going to the gym, go as hard as I could. The worst thing that I thought would happen is I wouldn't finish the lift. You know, I'd have to bail. Never even in a hundred years thought about injury. Mm -hmm. Didn't. But then I got to the point that um, my loads were so heavy that I was tearing my body apart, getting stronger, like a catch-22. I was getting stronger and stronger, but destroying myself at the same time. And um, it got to the point that I had to alter my low bar squat form to work around my injury which basically caused more injury. And uh, I remember my brother was spotting me one time and I don't, I had like six or 700 pounds on my back and I was basically holding them with two fingers because I couldn't get my hands back any further. And I asked him when I racked it, I said, did that look all right? And he says, I have no idea. I was watching your wrist. They look like they're about to snap. Uh -huh. And then it just got to the point, I couldn't even hold the bar, couldn't get my arms behind my, uh, mobility shoulder mobility wasn't there um like i said you know or we talked about i have a gym so i have all the apparatus there so i thought well okay that's fine uh sucks but i'll i'll max out on uh, i'll use uh the safety squat bar which i was never really a fan of i always preferred straight bar and then uh i thought leg press 
hack squat, Smith machine. I thought, well, if I max out on all of them and go really heavy, it should be the same. It wasn't. The I don't know what it is about the the squat, but I can uh, I always seem to get more results and I can feel it deeper. I think the other ones for me were better accessory, you know, to finish off with, but not a primary. And um, my last ditch effort was to go to the Arnold, I think in 2002 or three. They always have some really cool equipment. And I thought there's gotta be something up here for me. Yeah. There wasn't and uh, running out of options, that's where the Mars bar came from. Got it. So what, what was the, the first step in actually creating something like this? Uh, well, I realized that my shoulders and wrists wouldn't allow me to hold a bar. So I had to come up with some sort of harness that would do that for me. And, and obviously I had no idea. I'm not an engineer by any means. Uh, you're talking about just beating metal into place and hoping that it works. That was kind of the whole scientific process there. What I did is I took one of our safety squat bars and kind of cut it up a little bit. And then I uh, came up with a harness and then had to kind of, then it's funny, once I solved one problem, I realized I had another. Then it was trying to position the bar where it would give me the most benefit. I wanted to take the weight off the spine and the back. And that's why I kind of positioned it a little lower than the typical, you know, where you would hold it for uh, or for a straight right. bar. And what I found is all of a sudden, uh, my lifts went up dramatically. And I wasn't getting hurt anymore. And over the years from 2003 to, I think, man, I'm trying to remember when we actually showed it for the first time was 2019. So a few years in between, I was basically tinkering on it and, you know, making it better and better, but never to sell it. It's just one of those things you walk by a squeaky door, you know, you want to boil it. So that's all it was. And then I was actually at a uh, birthday party with a good buddy of mine. And uh, we used to compete against each other on strength. And uh, I was giving him crap about how much I was lifting. And it was a lot of fitness folks that, you know, like buddies do. Nobody gave a damn about how much weight was on the bar. They wanted to know what was that freaking bar. And I was like, oh, it's just something I welded up. It's... And then people were saying, you should really let some people look at it. So had I not gone to that birthday party, I don't know if anything would have happened. So you were using it for how many years before you decided to ultimately make it? something that other people might be able to buy? I think 2015, 16 is when the idea popped around. So that would have been, uh, yeah, about, about 12 years. That's what I thought. So were other members of your gym, I'm guessing that's where you were using it. Did they ever borrow it? Did they give you feedback? I was so concentrated on my family and uh, work. I never thought that anything uh, which I would tell anybody out there because that was the news to me. If you've got an idea, pursue it. I had no idea that anything I cooked up was worth anything, never did. Mm -hmm. And, but I got a lot of members that said this bar has ruined leg day for them because <laughs> if they leave town, they can't squat. Uh -huh. And, uh, they said, this is the only bar they can use. And I'm getting a lot of feedback around the uh, country about that too. There's, you know, the conjugate method and all that. I'm not underselling that by any means. I'm a huge fan of Louis Simmons, uh, Donnie Thompson, oh, you know, a lot of guys out there. Mine was out of necessity uh, because being somewhat, you know, doing law enforcement, uh, teaching, you got to be able to do the job 
present yourself in a confident, you know, uh, good officer presence and not get hurt. Well, I, I can't afford to go for a world record and be laid up for six months. Um, so my, how I trained was a little different, kind of more as an athlete, I guess, than a, a uh, power lifter, I guess. Right. But I do love doing powerlifting too, you know, until I wreck myself again. I had, yeah, I, I had one guy from Oklahoma, I think, called up and he wanted me to send him the, the designs. And I was just kind of like, no, you know, this is my bar. I'm not sending you my designs. I think that was the first time I thought, well, that's kind of neat. Somebody from uh -huh. Oklahoma wanted to replicate this, but that was it. Yeah. And uh, before we get into bringing it to market, would you mind for anybody who has not heard of the Mars bar or really heard you talk about it or just needs uh, to be educated on it more, could you explain how it's different than just a traditional SSB or um, other squat bars on the market? Sure. The problem I have with a lot of what's out there, and I'm not bagging on anything, it's like anything else. Uh, I've come to the conclusion in business and everything else, uh, a solution produces two problems. And you just constantly go, you never get to that point where I've solved everything. Everything is perfect. It's always a compromise. And with the SSB and all that, I think Jesse Hoagland came up with it and I don't know, 82, 84, something like that. And nothing against him. I completely understand where he's going. The thing I didn't like about it was uh, it carries the load on the back of the neck, which the moment arm basically impacts your mid to low spine. Basically, it throws you forward. Um, so once again, you're compensating your, uh, your form to basically allow for the, the physics of that bar. I just felt like I was hindered. It's kind of like what was happening with the straight bar. I couldn't go as strong as I wanted to go with my legs because my wrists were falling apart and my shoulders. And I thought, man, that's, so basically I'm being held up by these weaker links. So how do I remove these weaker links and just concentrate on the strong areas that I'm trying to, you know, work with? So basically that was it. The harness, people think it's just a big padded harness and it's very comfortable, which it is. We've had a lot of people that buy it strictly because it is so comfortable. Uh, the other thing is uh, it puts the load on the hips, uh, not the back. It's, I've had so many doctors look at it. They've all said this is the only bar on the market that actually supports the spine and stabilizes it. So we have so many people with scoliosis and all sorts of spinal injuries that are using the bar. And then of course, we've got people that are using it that don't want a spinal injury because for you young lifters out there, once your back goes, it's a uphill battle in life, not only lifting. The other thing was I wanted it to be as natural as possible, just like a low bar, straight bar, but without all the collateral damage to your body. The way it's positioned, the physics of it, you go straight down and straight up. It's a neutral lift. You're not pushed forward. You're not pushed backwards. It's just like a low bar squat without all the wear and tear. The padding is very nice. It's very comfortable. We have a lot more people. As, as you know, a lot of people try to talk themselves out of squats for a variety of reasons. And it's one of the most beneficial exercises out there. But it comes with a cost. And, in, and of course, nobody wants to look stupid. Nobody wants to get hurt. People have been uh, taught wrong. 
and uh, it's it's really hard to correct. Uh, well, it's not hard, but it's a little difficult to get people on the right path. And so the nice thing about the Mars bar, a lot of people find for their younger lifters and their ones that are afraid is the way the uh, physics is, the back pad actually pushes your chest up. And for your younger and novice lifters, it kind of is training wheels for uh, squatters. And one of the, those are one of those things you have to use the bar to understand what I'm talking about because you can't see it in the videos and anything like that. But then you can also use it, uh, Stan Efferding referred to it as a uh, leg press squat, which is fairly, uh, that's a great way to put it. Let's go to Inventors Roundtable number three, where they discuss if equipment prices are going up. What's the status of gym equipment prices? Are they going to continue to rise, fall, or stay the same? Who wants it first? Dylan, I know you have thoughts on this. Gym equipment prices. It really depends on a company-by-company company basis. Companies who job out all of their manufacturing, their prices have gone up. They will go up further, and they will not go back down for any, any time within the near future. Companies that do their own manufacturing or have invested into tooling and processes to be able to mold their products who have more control and less middlemen within their products. It really depends on their sales route. If they're selling through distribution, their prices may or may not be reflected as going up. If they sell direct, they have more control and therefore their prices will probably stay rather stagnant. At AdMat, we have both a wholesale outlet and a direct outlet where some products that we have, we've invested into new processes, tooling and molding to be able to increase the product quality and lower the overall cost and steps and to manufacture so that we can keep our prices the same. If we do raise our prices, we make sure that we're providing a better product as a result as well. We have had several products in our portfolio alone that prices have gone up over the past two years. Um, but in the past like 15 years of selling ad mats, our price on the original has gone up by $5 over a 15 year period. So it's, it's less than inflation. So, um, I, I, I'm pretty proud of that, but we do actually have a couple of products that are starting to level out and plateau in terms of their prices. Mostly the ones that are based off of raw materials, such as our plyo box, which is wood. We're actually going to be lowering our price on that here this week. So some of our products and prices are going down. Materials, the stuff that we mold is based heavily off of urethane. So it's based a lot off of oils um, and the price of oil. What's going on across the world has disrupted that a bit where we're obviously seeing prices go up, but, uh, they seem to have stagnated and there's within the near future, a lot of hopes and prices going down. We have not changed any prices to the consumer. Uh, we've kind of just been taking a lesser margin on some of these products and, you know, leveraging the higher volume sales that we've seen over the last three years. But, uh, yeah, so I, I don't think any prices will be going up like they've been in the past three years any further. Yeah. I've noticed more of like a, a plateau or stagnation in the past, I don't know, even nine months, I haven't really noticed much of an increase. So I'm hoping it at least maintains that, but I don't see it really going excessively, you know, up or down from the, from uh, where it's at currently. I mean, for us at least, like steel has gone down very minutely. Uh, so I feel like, like Steve said, like we hit a peak and maybe it's backed off to like a normalization that we can deal with where I don't foresee another price increase uh, anytime soon with, with our products either, but you know, Inflation all around, fuel costs, all that stuff really does drive, you know, your labor costs, shipping costs, things like that, that are sometimes hard to calculate or foresee. Um, but 
I, I don't see prices like going down. That's pretty impressive that y'all were able to take the price of the Reeboks down. Bravo for that. Appreciate that. Go ahead, Mike. You good, bro. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, our prices have sort of been level for a while, if not increasing like a buck or two here or there. Um, what we've been doing is trying to keep our prices a little lower on the website and, and then having slightly higher prices on Amazon, eBay, Walmart, because they charge higher fees. Um, the only time we have to go up in price is usually because the post office charges more for shipping. Um, and then they're also going to levy higher shipping fees from October 2nd to January 22nd this year. So that's going to see a little bit of a spike. UPS does the same thing. And for the first time, Amazon is also levying a higher fee for prime time. So that all impacts the prices for us. Um, we try our best to keep it as low as possible, keep it affordable. Um, but material cost itself has been level for a couple months now. So we're just trying to do our best with keeping the fees down as best as possible. Um, and some we can control, some we can't. Yeah, and um, to to kind of con to to continue on that, like obviously, you know, there are a lot of um, raw material costs, fuel costs, like things that um, you know sometimes people don't think about. But regarding the actual price of of our products, particularly here, you know, there might be uh, some increases soon, but they're not so much regarding the actual um, cost of material or cost of fuel. Those definitely have played a factor, and we haven't raised any of our prices over the past several months, but. During that time, we have been making small improvements within the products themselves that warranty a higher cost. Like, you know, one thing is going from, uh, like on our benches, we used to use just like standard bolts, but now we're using uh, shoulder bolts. And, you know, one shoulder bolt is $4.80 versus $1.64 for a bolt, you know, so like those little things that provide for a more premium product, a nicer product, that's where primarily the pricing is going to increase. And two, you know, we're also growing our staff and you know, for the quality individuals we want, you know, some of those people don't come cheap. So, um, you know, gone are the days of, you know, now you just have to be very, very um, aggressive and competitive with what you're paying people. And it's just is what it is. If, if you're trying to, um, you know, offer people bottom of the barrel style payment, then those are the types of individuals you're going to get. And, um, you know, we're trying to assemble a team of people that are truly passionate, that care about the end product, not just come in here to, you know, clock in and clock out. And so, um, again, too, that's another component of it because the labor game has changed drastically over the last couple of years. Those are kind of the two areas where primarily why, you know, people might see slight price increases. It's going to be not anything crazy, maybe 5 to 7% on some things. But when we experience this huge surge of, you know, the fuel costs increasing, the the steel prices increasing through, you know, the spring that we experienced this past year, you know, nothing increased, but, you know, now that we're starting to settle in the, some of the new components, you know, component improvements of certain pieces, that's primarily why certain things will go up on our end. One thing that we're doing here to which the price change is most impactful on new products, right? Yep. Not, not our old ones that we already make, have processes set up and we make tens of thousands of a year. Our new products are the ones where it's kind of having the biggest effect. Uh, we're releasing a product in the next two, three, four weeks with Kelly Starrett, a really cool, innovative product. We've decided this time we're gonna try something new. Uh, we always try to just make the best product we could possibly make and that's what we release. This one we decided once we made that product, it was a little rich in cost. So we ended up making a cheaper version as uh, that we will be releasing as well as our premium version to give really the community a choice when it comes to purchasing. You know, one's not substantially better than the other. One will hold up and be much better for a commercial gym setting. 
um, and is a little bit bigger and was the best that we could possibly do. The other one was sacrificing some of those best qualities in order to make it extraordinarily competitive in price. So we're, we're gonna be testing out this model here with this new release and if it's successful and we see a huge influx in terms of uh, the lower cost version, then it's probably something that we'll end up keeping in mind and doing for future product releases. All that makes sense. So to, to summarize, it sounds like prices will likely stay pretty similar unless like, like for example, Patrick's pretty much advancing the product. So that's why the costs are going up um, and, and also labor and, and, and those sorts of things. But overall, doesn't sound like too many fluctuations in, in cost. And then finally, from the used marketplace roundtable, let's see what they have to say about the best ways to find a good deal on the used marketplace. The best way to uh, to snag a deal. I think the keyword there is snag, like snag a deal. Like you're talking about closing the deal. You know, we're not talking about finding a deal. So when it comes to finding a deal, you know, we've covered that somewhat here and there, some different tactics and things, search terms. Um, Jay did a great job breaking down the different kind of uh, settings and things like that for different formats. So snagging a deal in my mind is that, okay, you found it, but now, you know, you're in hot competition. Like Ashton said, concerning Facebook Marketplace and 80% data coming back from the Sunday service, Sunday service, <laughs> Sunday survey, you know, I put my phone down when I go to the Sunday service. Well, I don't, I don't check the marketplace while I'm in church. <laughs> That's a lie. I That's but, fantasy football time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in any case, um, you know, what I'm getting at is it's competitive. I, I mean, you're competing and I'm not even speaking from a collectible standpoint. I mean, you're just a good deal on home gym equipment, whether it's collectible or not you're going to be competing with all the other people that want to set up a home gym and they may not even know in terms of collectible nature what it's worth and i'm like oh my gosh this guy doesn't even know what he took home so when it comes to that number one i already mentioned a little bit you got to be quick you got to close that deal get in there offer cash tell them when you're going to pick it up and it better be like soon you can't say on a tuesday well you know, and they tell you you're the first to respond and you say, okay, can I pick it up next Tuesday? You know, you, you've got to be fast. Like, I mean, it is like my, the Chrome, you know, reorks that I spoke about, that was like a partnership kind of pickup. A friend of mine and I split that haul. And I mean, we chatted that night and boom, I was on the road like the next morning to head out and get them. So, you know, that's the biggest thing is quickness. The second thing would be money. You know, people are selling this for a reason. They want money. So cash is king, you know, get in there, give them cash. And then the third thing would be if you can't get there quickly, because I mean, I'm busy. I have lots of stuff going on in my life. The down payment, um, not many people offer the down payment. And I think there's a little bit of credibility that comes with it, because if it's something that someone didn't realize was worth what it is, and suddenly they're getting flooded with messages, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is just something I found in like my basement. I don't even remember where I got it. And now I have 50 messages from people. Suddenly a guy saying, hey, how about I give you like 20% now? I can't pick it up for two days, but you know, I'll, I'll Venmo you, I'll PayPal you the money like right now, 20%. That's a pretty like strong foot forward that this guy's gonna show up because anyone who's sold anything has probably been ghosted once or twice. And that stinks, especially with weights. I mean, 
that stinks if I haul something up to my front porch from storage and no one shows up. Yeah, that down payment is so clutch. And I do that for the things that I want and for the, the profiles that I kind of creep through and kind of get a feel for the seller. If you can get them to market as pending, so having them say, yeah, sure, you're the first in line or I like you, that's one thing. But it's still available and they're still going to get hit up with higher offers. If they can market as pending, that's when it goes off the listing. It doesn't show up in the feed anymore. And that's when you can kind of feel pretty comfortable that, you know, you probably have this one. Just as an example, I drove an hour once to check out a functional trainer. I'm in the woman's town. I said, all right, I'm here. She says, sorry, I just sold. Mm. I was like, what do you mean? I got a trailer. I'm in your town. You told me the address yeah. to your house. I got to keep going and show up at your house. Um, but it sold. Mm -hmm. But had I given her that down payment, had it gotten pending, that wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah, that's one of the things I put out like on my website, um, kind of a idea of etiquette, if you will, in terms of collecting vintage weights. And a lot of it would apply, I suppose, if you were friends with other people flipping or used market, but it's really geared towards collecting vintage weights. And one of those things was the, like, if it's marked pending, you know, if you know someone is has made the deal, you know, it, it, you got to tread lightly. But the reality is the reason I'm saying that is that, oh my gosh, you just get squashed if it's not marked pending. You're 100% right. And that's why I try to weave it in there when I ask the person about the down payment. I'm like, hey, listen, like, how about I send you, you know, X amount of dollars uh, to show you that I'm serious and that I'm going to show up. Otherwise, I'm just throwing away my own money. You mark it as pending or sold, whatever you're comfortable with, and then I'll see you, whatever, in three days, whatever we agreed on. And that way, I kind of plant the, the seed, the idea that I want this marked. I don't want you to just leave this open. If it's somebody in the community, and they're selling something that you know only an enthusiast would ever buy, that's when I'll kind of open up to them a bit. I'll share a picture of my gym. I'll start to talk to them, kind of build some rapport up. I will often share my review page so I can get, listen, I got hundreds of reviews. I have hundreds more of people that I can refer to you if you need kind of some backup here. I'll often tell them that I'm experienced in taking these machines apart. So like I'm sure Aston hears it all the time with commercial stuff. People see big machines or cable machines, they get intimidated and they don't want to take it out or they had a, someone like Jim Source come and install it in their house. They don't know how to get it out. Um, mm -hmm. If I can say, listen, I've done this 10 times, just give me two hours in your basement. I don't need any help. You know, I, I got this. That's a huge weight up their shoulders. So that kind of puts you ahead in the line of someone else that's going to look at it and be like, huh, how do I get that out the door? <laughs> yeah. Very good point. I think if the situation's right, I mean, I've, I've just, told people and they'll figure it out at some point anyway that you're you know a reseller or you know trying to get this like uh especially if it's for a good cause so a couple of times we've tried to get some used gym equipment for fire stations and like first responder departments and um i'll tell them that from time to time i'll be like hey this is actually this is going to like out a physical therapist that was selling a leg press and i had been, hadn't been up for very long i was like hey this is going to this is actually going to some guys that actually use it and really need this stuff and uh, he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and they're super willing to work with you for, for those kinds of things. But And that's a unique situation. But, um, yeah, I found it usually is better to build that kind of rapport if you can kind of feel them out and see how they're feeling about the deal in the first place. And then, um, you know, uh, if, they, if they know you're serious and you do this, especially on a regular basis, they're a lot more likely to work with you in the first place. Yeah, I think rapport is huge. And... Um... You know, I've had people actually ask me, like, how do you sneak around and get this? I'm like, I don't sneak around at all. Like, it's not like I'm creeping around finding this stuff. So I tell them straight out, like, I love history. I love this 
you know, this holder or whatever it might be, barbell or plate. And, you know, I, I fill my home gym with all this classic stuff. And that goes a long way with the older stuff because usually it's a, you know, like I mentioned before, it might be an older person that's selling off their gym that they used for 40 years. So it, it sounds, and it's the truth that this is a guy who's going to appreciate it. He's going to use it. And so if you're a person that's actually going to use it, but I would give the same advice, you know, set aside, you don't care about vintage weights. You just want to set up a home gym. I'd give the same advice to all the seller. Like I'm setting up a home gym. This would go a long way for me. You know, I'm really trying to get healthy and fit, you know, build that rapport and you're telling the truth. Why not? Yep. And I would say the exact same thing goes the other way around when you're the seller and you have people that, you know, are into this kind of stuff, like don't treat it as a one-off purchase. This is a relationship. And I got people that I've sold five, 10 times to, or people oh, yeah. that I just, you know, like you guys, we just talk about weights all the time. And we talk about other stuff all the time because we know we have this connection, you know, all kind of bonding over gym stuff, but then it just grows into friendships. Um, and they're the ones that are gonna look out for you. So like, you can only look so many times, but if they find something when they're refreshing, they'll send you a link, you send them a link. That's how I've gotten almost everything big in here. It's by like one of my friends in the area or even kind of on Instagram. DM me something that, you know, I think you're, you're in the market for this Kabuki power bar. Here you go. I just found one. And that's mm -hmm. the kind of thing that goes a long way. Cool.